We've been continuing our series uh, looking at what it means to be a people that have been blessed by God. We have been blessed by God to be a blessing and uh, if you're visiting here with us this morning, this is actually, I think it's number seven. Um, We're going to do one more uh, next week and then we're going to take a break and I've got uh, quite a few more so we'll do that sometime later in the year. We looked at four things, really, this whole time. We've been looking at um, God's character, that He is a He is a good God, that loves and desires to bless humanity, loves and desires to bless His children. We, uh, one of my my other desires for us is that it would kind of stimulate and um, this d- desire to be in the blessing of God, to seek the blessing of God. That, that we may be blessed to be a blessing, that, that we may know that, that we have been called as God's representatives, as, um, we've looked at that as a royal priesthood, to be a blessing uh, to those around us and to our communities. And number four, that we would know what it is to be a blessing, how to bless, how to speak blessing over our family, over our friends, over our community. Uh, last week, we looked at what it is to Uh, be those who bless the next generation. And I love Josh and Estelle's prayer for for August. They they took a a prayer of intercession and and spoke it as a blessing um, over little August. There's there's something special about being able to come before God and intercede for, for someone else. And there's something very special and weighty as well as being able to speak the favour of God upon someone, asking that God would fulfil and God would pour His favour upon uh, a little life. This morning, we are going to do something similar to what we did last week. Uh, I'm going to start with the first half and then I'm going to invite Graham up uh, for the second half and uh, he's going to to lead us out with uh, some practical applications of how we can apply what we've been learning over the last number of weeks now. Hopefully you got a little card as you walked in and uh, Graham's going to be using that as well. I was um, uh, preparing for this message and I came across this little tweet, it's um, from a, a wonderful min- ministry called Desiring God, and I've just got that here. There it is. It says, the New Testament has 112 references to, ble- uh, to being blessed, and not one of them is, in con- con- is connected to material prosperity. Now, I found that quite interesting. Um, I, 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 to tell you the truth, I, I said, I kind of, in my mind, really? Um, and I, I started to do a... Um, a bit of a look through the New Testament, and, and basically, it's right. Uh, it, it speaks almost exclusively about uh, spiritual blessings and almost nothing about uh, material blessing. Now, now, this is interesting, and it's, it's also a little bit of a problem, because I don't know about you, but sometimes we get a bit of a whiplash when we go from the Old Testament and then we move to the New Testament and it's like, whoa, what just, what just happened here? And, and often what happened is, is Jesus happened, um, but sometimes that, that shift isn't 
as much of a shift as what we might have first thought it was. I actually have thought of so many different examples of this, how it feels like kind of, kind of you're changing directions incredibly fast as you move from the Old Testament to the New Testament. I'd probably like to do a series in the future called Whiplash, um, just kind of looking through some of them, because I think there's some really wonderful insights that we can look at as we see things that continue and things that take a bit of a different shift, a different reinterpretation, a, uh, a different direction. With this one, blessing, material blessing and spiritual blessing. If we, we could go to any of the patriarchs, really, we could go Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Solomon, Job, any, any of those guys, and uh, God richly blessed them uh, with, with prosperity and uh, materially blessed them um, significantly. I want to read this passage to you. And um, there is definitely spiritual blessing in the Old Testament, but my, there is a lot of material blessing. Listen, listen to this. If you fully obey the Lord, we looked at obedience and blessing, if you fully obey the Lord, your God, and be careful to follow His commandments, I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. That's everywhere. Your, the, the fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves and the herds and the lambs of your flock. Your baskets and your kneading uh, trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and when you go out. The Lord will grant the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come to you from one direction and then they'll flee in seven the Lord will send blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in this land that He is giving you. The Lord will establish you as His holy people, as He promised you on oath. I will keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to Him. Then all people on earth will see that you are called by my name, the name of the Lord, and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock and of the crops of the ground, in the land he, um, he swore to your ancestors to give you. The Lord will open up heavens, the storehouses and on, of his bounty. He will send rain on your land in season and to bless your work of your hands. It just goes on. It goes on speaking about blessing upon blessing upon blessing. It speaks about his protection and how um, that if they do not remain in obedience to God and the uh, wisdom that God has sown into uh, creation, uh, that He will remove that, that blessing and uh, there will be uh, natural consequences for that as well as God's hand of protection is, is moved off them. But we see in the Old Testament, it's just again and again and again, material blessing, material blessing, there's spiritual blessing in there, of course, as well. And then we move to the New Testament and it's just this full stop, um, it, it goes straight in to spiritual blessing and it almost speaks nothing about material blessing. And, and we've got a choice here, we've, we've kind of got to try and work out what, what is this saying? What, what is it saying when it goes from, from absolutely um, talking so much about material blessing to almost not at all? 
I guess one of the ways that we could look at it is that something has happened. Something has happened that, uh, that we, in the coming of Jesus, the spiritual blessings that we have in Him are so significant that, uh, that that's the, the real focus and there is no longer material blessing for following God and, and His ways. Uh, that is some of the ways that it has been interpreted, that, that, that difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. A lot of this has come particularly from, do you know before how we talked about, as Christians, we're often walking along this road of faith and we see um, like a, a pothole or a trough on the side of the road and we see some of our brothers and sisters falling down it and we might um, look at those who have um, fallen down that, that, that kind of that ditch of, um, of the prosperity doctrine, that if you only have so much faith that you're absolutely guaranteed to have a prosperous and, and, and wonderful life. And, and what we tend to do is we see someone in a ditch and we're like, I'm not going there. And so what we can often do is we can come so far the other way and we end up falling down another ditch. And, and I think that sometimes what happens in regards to what God is saying about Him, His blessings, both materially and spiritually. I think what's happened here is, is these New Testament writers, they've come across something so extraordinary. Think of Moses being there before the people and on the mountain before God, and uh, they're not obeying God and His ways. And, and God says to Moses, you go. I'll give you that land, and, uh, but you go, I'm going to stay here. And Moses says to God, if your presence does not go with us, we will not go. Moses knew something. And it's, it's a truth that, that, that runs right throughout Scripture, that the, that the greatest reality that we could ever know is the presence of God in our lives. He said, I'm not interested in all those blessings if you don't come with me, God, because, because your presence in my life is the most significant thing there is. When, when Jesus, when he dies on the cross, there's the curtain in the temple that separates the Holy of Holies with the rest of the temple and it's split down the middle of a sign to the people that we now have access before the throne of God. In Hebrews, it says that we can come confidently we're so used to that now, having, having prayer services or, or, or saying a prayer as we drive in the car or, or saying a prayer as we, as we worship here. To come before the throne room of God just has become almost ordinary. For those early New Testament believers, that was extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary. It was, it was one person, once a year, that could go before the throne room of God. And now it's been broken up and, and his whole church can come before the throne room of God whenever they want. He's come to indwell his people, to make us suitable living stones to be built into a temple that will never perish. He, he's called us not just as servants, not, but as, as friends, as his children. What, what's happening here is, is, is these Old Testament blessings of material blessing. We see that. We, when, when a nation lines up with, with mercy and with righteousness 
and, and with the things of, of God that God has said is good, there is great prosperity that comes to a nation. Israel saw that, and we've seen that through history. We've seen that in Western culture as, as, as Christians start to pray for their leaders. And, and it doesn't, the leaders don't actually even have to be Christians. But if the, if the Christians are praying for them and, and they start to make decisions that are lining up with, with God's ways, there's blessing that happens to those nations. So what's happening in the New Testament is the reality of the spiritual blessing, our access to God and every spiritual blessing that He has to, uh, for us. It so overshadows the, um, this, these material blessings that, that they could not speak about these things because of the enormity of what we have access to now in being able to come into the presence of God. There, there, there's still a very real reality of those material blessings, especially for nations, especially for people groups who come and align themselves with God and His ways. I, um, in Togo, I got to see this in very unique and special ways. Uh, I would go to, to people groups. There was uh, many, many different people groups in Togo, really small people groups. So I got to see like these microcosms of nations. And, and once the gospel moves into a people group, it, it doesn't take many who start to pray for, for their people group. And, uh, and, and as their chiefs and leaders start to align with justice and mercy and they start dropping off some practices that are actually detrimental to them, the, the whole people group transforms. I've, I've, this, this amazing blessing of God, the prosperity starts to, to come. We, we saw this again and again and again with people groups who, who, who there was a, a number of them that started to give their lives to Jesus and they started to ask for God's kingdom to come, for it to be like as on earth as it is in heaven. So we are those who have been blessed to be a blessing and uh, one of the most significant blessings, the most significant blessing that we can bring is the gift of life. Um, to t and Jesus said that all authority has been given to me, now go and make disciples of all nations. Because he knows that that is, that is the greatest treasure that anyone could ever receive. It's a treasure that never perishes, it's a treasure that transforms on and on. We're also called to do, um, to do a number of things. Just got a, a few up here. It's the one that starts with pray. Wow, that is tiny. Oh, there we go. Um, as God's people, we are called to pray. Uh, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and for all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all good, godliness and holiness. One thing that we're to do in being a blessing for our community is we're to pray for our community, to pray for our leaders. And uh, it's here because it makes a difference. Uh, the, the, the church Christians are like leaven. It's, it's a small amount. It's like salt. It's a small amount, but it makes a huge difference in the economy of God. We're to pray prayers of intercession and we're to pray prayers of blessing as well. 
with faith and confidence that that prayer and blessing is powerful and effective. Number two, we're to live those big three, justice, mercy and humility. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? In everyday life, in the everyday life, when we go about life, we're to act in this way, with justice and mercy and humility. And that has a difference in our society. And number three, we're to seek God and to, to ask Him to come and to come and revive His church. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face I will t- um, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. This is from Habakkuk. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. This is the church crying out to God and saying, revive our church. Revive your people. Come and and move like you did of old. Because, Because when God moves through His church and renews His church and moves powerfully through His church, it, it's like it's this, it's like this stimulus of the, of the leaven and it, and it has an effect across the whole of society. We see this again and again as revivals move throughout the world. It doesn't just affect the church, it affects everything around them. God's favour is poured out uh, into nations where His church is revived. The next photo there. You know, I've been... Um, there's a lot of bad news in the uh, media at the moment. It seems like everywhere we look, um, talking about an economy that's just about to um, go bang, about a world um, that's just about to go bang militarily, uh, all sorts of things that are on the brink and it just seems to be that news coming again and again and again. And uh, Julia would tell you that that's actually had quite a significant effect on me. It's, and it may have on you too, just kind of like this outlook of, um, it's, it's kind of a weight upon your heart. But I, there's been something happening in me as I've been doing this series, and there's been this, this change, and it's this, it's this great hope that's kind of rising up in, inside of me, and I can't actually explain it. I, I actually... I, I feel more hopeful about the future and the future of our nation and the future of this world than I ever have before. I want to show you a graph. This graph here. It's, um, it's the, the growth of Christianity as a percentage of the world. Now, that, that is an extraordinary graph. It took 1,800 years to get to 2.5%. It took 70 years to get, what is that, 70 years to get to 5%, and in the last 40 years or so, it's gone to 12.5%. That's, that's extraordinary growth. And, and this is the percentage of, of Christians committed Christians, professing Christians, not just those who, who active Christians, 
Now, now this is extraordinary if we, if we think of the leaven principle, as if we think of the salt principle. Because these are people in nations that are calling out, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. These are people that are praying blessing and praying uh, to, for God to intercede in the nation. Th- these are people that when you squeeze them and when you persecute them, they squash and they ref- get refined and then the Holy Spirit breathes His power into it and it just explodes outwards. We've seen this again and again through history. We've, we've had 2.5% of the world's population. We now have 12.5% of the world's population. That is just like a huge amount of leaven just being thrown into that piece of bread. That we, I'll show you the next graph here. can't even read what that is. Share of the world's population, old, old, older than, the, than 15 years of age, um, at least has a basic level of education. Uh, have a look at that. We've got the 1900s there. It starts to skyrocket. The next one. Um, deaths uh, is based in, in regards to conflict and uh, it's, um, it's, it's petering off. We may see a spike again uh, in this recent history. Next one, I'll just go through these quickly. World population living in extraordinary poverty. It's decreased drastically since the 1900s there. Uh, next one. Literate and illiterate of the world's population. I think we've already done something like that, but that's decreasing drastically. Next one, global child mortality. Now, I've done statistics. I know that this doesn't necessarily say causal relationship, okay? But, but that's strange. And, and that's, that's worth investigating. I've left my notes somewhere. I'm going to have to keep looking back. I just want to read this next quote. The Christian faith has been the single most important influence in history of Western civilization. It has inspired the greatest achievements in art, music, literature, science, and philosophy. It has provided a framework for moral and ethical thinking that has helped to shape our laws and institutions. It has motivated millions of people to act to acts of selflessness and service. It has given countless individuals a sense of purpose and meaning in their lives. Moreover, Christianity has been a source of hope and comfort to countless millions, providing solace in times of hardship and encouragement in times of doubt. Despite its flaws and failings, the Christian faith has been one of the greatest gifts that Western civilization has ever received, and it deserves our respect and gratitude. That was Alistair McGrath. I wonder if those graphs have something to do with the significant amounts of leaven that has been put into this world, this extraordinary growth of those who say, Jesus is Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it, as it is in heaven. This next one is from Paul Kurtz. He's not a Christian at all. As a secular humanist, I'm not a believer in any particular re- religion but I do recognise the tremendous positive impact that Christianity has had on the human history. It has inspired some of the greatest works of art and literature, and it has motivated many individuals to work for the betterment of humanity. Christianity has also played a key role in the development of democracy, human rights and social justice. While we may have different beliefs and values, we should all acknowledge the good that Christianity has done for the world. That's no surprise to me. You know, as I, as I look at the world that seems to be getting darker at the moment, 
I think what that means is that the church is just going to shine brighter. I think it's, I think it's good times. And it, and it may look dark, and there, there may be pressure that comes upon the church, but when pressure comes upon the church, what happens? The Holy Spirit breathes into it, and it just explodes with power. So I think we're coming into a wonderful time of world history. There, there is a lot of leaven being thrown into this world, and we should expect God to do some amazing things through and in His people. Uh, I'd like to invite Graham up. Uh, just want to let you know I've taken a fair bit of Graham's time, so we might go um, just a, a little bit over this morning, because what Graham has to share with us is, is really... Um, really important. It's always dangerous having two preachers <laughs> sharing a message. But it's action time. You know, it's time for us now to take what we've been learning as we've heard about how we're blessed to be a blessing. We need to take that now and we need to put that into action. That's what Jesus did. You know, he went to the Father touched heaven, and then he changed earth. There was a girl, she was out on a training run, and she came to a river and she stopped at the river bank and she, was, she looked down the river, she looked up the river, and she couldn't find any way to get to the other side, there was no bridge, and then she saw a man on the other side of the river, and she called out, excuse me, can you tell me how I can get to the opposite side? The man looked down the river, he looked up the river, looked at her and he said, you are on the opposite side. <laughs> you see, that's the problem we have. Well, that presents to us a problem that we have. One of the problems that we have is we first of all look at other people who perhaps are outside of Christ or perhaps don't know the joy of the Lord, perhaps in the way that you do or I do. And it's like they're on the opposite side. And our attitude is, well, let's just leave them where they are. Or sometimes we become so aware of our own inadequacies that we fail to want to move forward and we want to stay where we are. And it's easy to say, well, I'm on the right side, they're on the right side, and let's just relax. But Jesus calls us to action. He calls us to action. So many times in the Bible, there's that call to action. Old Testament, come, all you are thirsty. Come, if you're hungry, come. Come by and eat. You know, the message is there, come, come. You come over into the New Testament and Jesus picks up that same message. That's a call to action. He says, come follow me. Set aside everything and come follow me. You come over into the time of the apostles writing, Paul and Peter and John. What are they writing? They're saying it's time for action. You start by repenting. You start by turning away from the way that you've been going and trying to make things work and you turn and you look to the Lord and see he's done it all. He's opened the way for us, for you, for me, to come into that place where we're before the very throne of God. We hear what's on the Father's heart and we, <clears throat> we bring it into action. That's what it means 
to bring blessings into our world in a very practical way. We touch heaven and change earth. I want to share with you this morning stories. You know, as you get older, you get more stories. And us old fellows like to get together and share stories. The problem is, after 70 years, 70 years worth of stories takes a long time. So I'm going to try and bring it down to just a few stories about blessing. My story starts back in the Green Slopes, well, long before that, but for many years I was pastor of the Green Slopes Baptist Church. It's good to have Matt here this morning who was a part of that journey um, for a while. There are Green Slopes. The Lord led us into a place of really wanting to be blessed, but then to bless others. And one of the ways that it happened was one night we were in a prayer room. We had a prayer house. It was the old church manse. We turned it into a prayer house. And we would meet there about four times a week for prayer. An old couple, Helen and Theo, came into that prayer room one night and they brought this book with them, The Grace Outpouring. Andrew talked about that right at the very start of this series. It's a, a story about a retreat centre in Wales that became a house of prayer. And it's an intriguing story about a man and his wife, Roy and Daphne, who were directed by the Lord to this retreat centre and the Lord said to them, I want you to turn this into a place where people are practically blessed and that blessing goes out to the world. Well, I read that and I thought, it's a book. But then the Lord said, it's a book that I want you to put into action. So we started to do that. And one of the, I'll start with, this is not a chronological um, uh, sharing of how th uh, when things happen, but I want to share with you, first of all, what happened to Anne and I. One of the first things that happened after reading the book, we started to pray about how can we bless other people? How can we look people in the eye and how can we just pray for them that, or, or speak out a blessing that comes from the very throne of God? Well, it didn't take very long one afternoon, I was um, just, I'd walked out of the church building, was walking down the footpath, and a lady on the other side of the road, she said to me, she called out, excuse me, can I talk to you? I said, yes. Yeah. So I walked over to where she was, and she said, are you associated with this church? You always get a bit worried <laughs> when someone says that to you. And I said, um, why do you want to know? That, that's a good question. Why do you want to know? And she said, well, she said, I'm not well. And I've heard about this church and I wondered if you would pray for me to be healed on the side of the road, on the opposite side to where I was. And I prayed for her. I never heard any more. Another afternoon I was there waiting for a young couple to do some marriage preparation with me and they were running late. A car drove down the road, 
and turn around, came parked right in front of um, where I was waiting as I was looking out the door. This fellow jumped out and he said, you part of the church here? And I said, yes. And so he said, can I talk to you? My marriage is in a mess. I need to talk to you. And so there was a blessing. Uh, I was able to bless that man and we finished talking exactly at the same time as um, the couple who were coming for marriage preparation showed up. So as that went on, I started to explore this and um, a friend of mine who lives in Canada, he said to me, you need to go to Wales. You need to visit this place, a little place, it's a Welsh name called Faldy Brennan. He said, you need to go there. And so shortly after that, we were heading off to England to um, my son and daughter-in-law's wedding and um, someone else said to me, when you're over there, you need to go to Wales and visit this place, same place. And so I looked on, the, um, on their website. And when I looked on the website, I discovered that there was no accommodation available in this retreat centre for at least 18 months. The word was out that they were blessing people. And many, many people were just being changed through the work of this house of prayer in the retreat centre. So anyway, I thought, I'll give them a call. I phoned them up, and there was just a few days after my son's wedding that we had available to do some touring. And I phoned them up, and they said, sorry, we're booked out for the next 18 months. And then he said, oh, sorry, um, there are just three days available, and they were exactly the three days that we had. And so we went. When we got there, a fellow came out and he prayed a blessing over us. And when he prayed a blessing over us, um, we, we just felt so settled in that place. It's a place of peace. And then he put us in this room and he said, I cannot understand why you're in this room. It's usually reserved for staff. He said, it really is the best room in the house. Everyone else has a shared toilet and bathroom. You've got your own apartment. You've got kitchen You've got um, all the toilet, bathroom facilities in your room and the most beautiful view out over the valley. And here we are in this privileged place. And when we were there, the Lord just said to us, are you prepared to give your life to blessing other people? You know, the presence of the Lord in that place was such that, um, you know, we're on holiday, so we had some... Um, novels and fiction um, books with us and the first night we were there I said to Anne I don't even feel comfortable reading a piece of fiction in this environment the presence of the Lord was so real and it was out of that the Lord just put into our hearts a desire to bless people every time we had the chance so I came home and this is how it worked out in the life of an individual I was talking about the same thing that I'm talking about this morning one day to a fellow named James. James came to me, that's his real name. Um, he came to me, he was a man older than me. And he said, I've got a son who hasn't spoken to me for years. And he said, after hearing about blessing others, he said, I want to bless him and I pray every day for a blessing on him but I never get the opportunity of connecting with him. 
He said, I've tried sending emails, I've tried texting, I've tried phoning, and he never responds. And so I took this little card that um, has been handed out this morning. Have you got one of these? Yeah, just put your hand up if you've got one so I can see. Yeah, you did get them, okay. So if you haven't got them, we might be able to hand some out in a little while. But I had these printed off and I gave him one of these little cards. And I said, what I want you to do is start to pray God's blessing on your son. And so I said, when you pray for him, just pray for him physically, his body, physically. Pray for his work. Pray for his emotional uh, needs. Pray for his social life. Pray for his spiritual life. And just pray the Lord's blessing on him, even though he's not connecting with you. He said, all right. So he started to pray every day. Three months later, he came to me and he said, tears in his eyes, my son phoned me and wants to meet with me. And it took some time. They had to reconcile. They had to put some things right. So the last time I spoke to him, he was talking with his son. They put some things right from the past and God was starting to let him see answers to prayer for his son come to pass. Second story. And I've got um, three of these characters I want to share with you. It's a story about a man named Richard. One morning we were in our prayer house. There's a group of us praying. And we had often prayed for our community, praying out of the throne of God and saying, Lord, what is it you want us to pray for this community? And um, this morning we're in the prayer room, very similar to our Tuesday morning prayer meetings here. And um, in those prayer times, you know, the Lord starts to lead us. And he started to lead us to praying for the people in the street where the church was. Now, we knew the people well because we had often walked up and down that street doing prayer walks. And you look into the houses and you see what people are like and you start to feel and respond to the people who had the long grass in their front yard. And you, you don't become critical. You want to minister to them and bless them. You become aware of the people, the little children, the people with dogs, the people with a rainbow um, painted on their front fence. You become aware of all of these different kinds of people in this community up and down the street. And we started to pray. And we started to pray a blessing. Anyway, I walked out of that prayer meeting this morning and at the end of the street there's a little coffee shop and I would walk out of the prayer meeting and go down and have a cup of coffee and something to eat. I sat down and the waiter comes over and I said to him, usual Aussie greeting, g'day, how are you going? He said, good, you know. That's an Aussie response, isn't it? I'm fine. He turned and he turned back. He said, well, no, I'm not. He said, I'm going through a relationship breakout. I said, I'm sorry to hear that. He went to walk away and as he's walking away, I heard the Lord say, tell him you've just been praying for him. I said, well, we have in fact been specifically praying for broken relationships of people in that street. Forgot to mention that. Anyway, I called him back and I said, hey, we've just been praying for you. He said, how's that? He said, you don't even know me. 
I said, I've just come from a prayer meeting and we've been praying for people living in this street, going through broken relationships. He said, I live in this street. And so I said, I'll be praying for you. I'm praying a blessing over you. He walked away and was serving other customers. A week or two he came back and he said, there's something different about you. Every time I come in, you ask me about how that broken relationship is going. And he said, there's something different. He said, I can't even talk about the man upstairs. I can't even mention his name. You wouldn't believe the stuff that religion has done to me. And I said, you know, God loves you and he wants to bless you and he wants to change your heart. And he said, I just can't understand it. He said, it's like you're breaking down all my defences. And he said, I want to talk to you individually. Unfortunately, something happened to him and he had to move to Sydney um, urgently and I never got to see him again. God started to break through so that what's happening at the very throne of the Father starts to unleash as we bless. The last story. It's from this church here. I try to avoid telling stories from this church, but I want to tell you about something that's happening out in the food ministry on a Wednesday morning. There are so many stories coming out of that ministry as we're blessing people. But there's a lady, I'll leave her name out of it. End of last year, she came to me and she said, would you pray for me? And I prayed a blessing over her. She sat out in that little seat out the front there. So I prayed a blessing over her. She came back about, I don't know, six, eight weeks ago and she said, I've got cancer. Would you pray for me? And she pulled out a piece of paper. Now, there may be doctors in the room that understand this better than me. Um, it had these numbers on it. And I didn't understand these numbers. It was, and there was a number she kept talking about. It was over 2,000. She said, that's my count. And she said, I've got this cancer and the doctors are wanting to talk to me about chemo. And she said, um, would you pray for me? So I prayed a blessing and I prayed for healing. Two weeks ago, she came back, another piece of paper, and she said, let read this. And I said, a doctor wrote this. I can't read what doctors write. <laughs> Explain it. And she said, look at the figure at the bottom. It was typed even. Two. And she said, that's my level now. And I said, what's normal? Because I never know whether a hundred's normal or one's normal or what. And she said, zero. And she said, that means, the doctor said, that my cancer is not evident and he can't understand it. And you see, God is just blessing. It's what's coming from the throne and it's touching people's lives. There's, on this card, and I just wonder if, um, I might be able to get some help here, um, if there's a, a bundle of these out in the foyer. Oh, Graham's got some up there. Okay, and someone else has got some. So if you have not got one of these little cards, it's got a photo of Wynnum on the front and some things on the back that I want to talk about, just put your hand up and um, these people will come around. Might need a few more people to grab some cards and, and help. 
So just keep your hand up until you've got one. So we've got some more coming from the foyer. So we've got a few down the front here, over here, over here. It's right down the front here, this area, over here. Okay, how are we going? Just behind you, Anne, or someone? I think we're right. If you take this card on the front, there is a beautiful photo of um, Wynnum and there is a, a prayer that comes out of this book. It's called the Caleb Prayer. It's a prayer that we often pray over our suburb or over our city or over the nation. O High King of Heaven, have mercy on our land. Revive your church. Send the Holy Spirit for the sake of the lost, the least and the broken. May your kingdom come to our nation. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, we started to pray that over our nation, over our state, and at another time, perhaps, I'll tell you the story of what happened on some of those occasions. We saw politicians changing their mind on key issues as we prayed that over our politicians. If you go to the other side of the card, and this is why we want you to take this home. This is that little prayer I referred to before. It uses the acrostic bless, B-L-E-S-S. -S. We take the letter B and it's, we use body and we pray a blessing over someone's physical well-being. We take the L and we pray a blessing over someone's work, whether it be paid or unpaid. We take the E, and we pray a blessing over a person's emotional, their feelings, their uh, peace, hope, and every godlike emotion. S, social. Love, marriage, family, friends, and spiritual, salvation, faith, grace. And as we pray this blessing, we look a person in the eye if we can. Sometimes I just pray this over my family. And as we pray this blessing, what we're doing is saying, Lord, just release your power, your salvation power across my family, across this land, across this community. And so I want to encourage you this morning to start to pray a blessing for others. It may be people you don't know. It may be your neighbours that you've never met. It may be someone that is right there in front of you and you need to just say to them, can I bless you in the name of the Lord? And you can use this as a little guide. We are going to finish now. And um, glad no one said hallelujah. But we're going to finish. And we're going to finish in this way. I just believe this morning 
the Lord is wanting to bless. And I believe the first way he is wanting to bless is all those who have never ever known the love of God through Jesus Christ in that you know that Jesus died to pay for your sins and you've never been able to receive that love and forgiveness in your own life and your life is filled with shame and you just feel like I'm on the other side and I'm not included in this. God's wanting to bless you and the first thing he's wanting to bless you with this morning is with his salvation. He's wanting you to know that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sin and he is wanting you this morning just to say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying in my place on the cross. Would you please forgive me for the things that I've done? I believe that you paid for the things I've done wrong, everything I've done wrong when you died on the cross and shed your blood for me. And now, Lord Jesus, I want to give my life to you. If that's you this morning, what I'm going to ask you to do is come down the front here. I'm, I'm going to ask Graham Sokum to come down the front, the other Graham, the pastoral team. And, um, well, I'm going to get Graham to just sit over there. And um, you'll know who Graham is now. If you're here this morning, you've never committed your life to Christ. And you'd like to do that. I want you, as we're singing this last song, just to get up and come down and come over to where Graham is and he will share with you how you can know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour.